for our meditation this afternoon. I'd like to turn with me. I'd like to read the remaining verses from Ephesians chapter 6. For some time had meditated on spiritual warfare and the armor of God, but would like to begin with verse 18 and read to the end of the chapter. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tysicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. As a a backdrop for the message that I'd like to share with the Lord's help this afternoon, I'd like to give you this picture of spiritual warfare And I think I may have shared this in the past, but shortly after Benjamin was born, Joanna gifted me or gave me a picture that hung hung above my desk in my study, a rather large picture, and I'd like to describe it to you. And it hung there until a number of years back when I then gave it to him after Peter was born. The picture um, was one of a, a man kneeling by his bedside. It uh, clearly was nighttime, not only because of the night shadows, but also because visible in the picture was his watch, was, which was late, I think 11 o'clock or something in the evening. But kneeling in front of the bed with a window that had some um, lattice, some crossings on it, that cast a shadow. And in the picture frame, there was clearly a, a demon of sorts, very visible outside the window, with, with outstretched arms, almost as if he was trying to come into the window. And here was this man praying over the bedside of his child, presumably his son. And the, the, the light from the moon clearly um, put a shadow of a cross, a reflection through the window, over the bedside. And I hope I'm describing it correctly. But it was a very clear and vivid picture of spiritual warfare, obviously the enemy trying to 
um, Satan tried to wage warfare on this child that had been entrusted to, obviously, his father. And he was praying against the warfare that was happening. And I, I see that as, as uh, um, certainly a, a vivid example of, of a type of spiritual warfare that exists. And the call to arms Certainly, it was a call to arms for me when Joanna gave that to me, and it was a call to arms for us to then gift it to Benjamin, even though after many years it had become very faded and had lost some of its original look. But as a vivid reminder of the spiritual warfare, and that is one where clearly Satan is going after the hearts and minds of our children as parents, we know that to be true. We have looked at Ephesians chapter 6 and spiritual warfare and, and the armor of God very much in the context of those things that we should put on and take up uh, that armor, including the last one of the sword of the Spirit. And we take all of that up, and, and the picture is certainly one of protecting ourselves against the attack of the enemy, and that is so very, very true. But there is... Also, that bigger picture that we need to understand. And when a soldier, literally a soldier, goes to war, he is going to war to protect himself with his armor, with his weapons, and he's fighting for his life, to stay alive, to survive, survive the the battle that he is in, but also to survive and and make it to the end of the war that he is fighting for. But he isn't just fighting for himself. He is actually also fighting for for his fellow soldiers. And most often, you will hear those that go to war, and always have, that they are fighting for their country. They are fighting for their families for their wives, for their sons, their daughters. And whether it's their freedom or their protection or whatever it is, they are actually engaging in the battle and fighting for others. And that, I believe, um, is also the focus of some of the verses that we have read here this afternoon, that, that perhaps as we meditate upon them, we might extend the idea of the spiritual warfare that we are in, that it's not just a battle for us as much as it is, but it is also a battle for those that we love, those that are around us and for others that we are fighting for. And often it's not just those that are literally around us. In many cases, as it would be in a war, we are fighting for those that are to come. And as we think about spiritual warfare, and especially about this last one, um, this weapon of prayer, that we would consider it in the context of using prayer as a weapon to fight against Satan for the welfare, the spiritual, especially the spiritual welfare of others. And that's those that are close to you, your own um, family, wife, children, grandchildren, but also in the context of the church for us as fellow believers that we are fighting for each other and fighting with this weapon of prayer. You know, when we read through scriptures, and especially as we read just this 18th verse here, it says, praying 
always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching thereunto um, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And so many times in the Bible, it, it's, it uses um, uh, words like all or implying that it's all-inclusive and there's no exclusions. But it really is more of what is known as a hyperbole, which is really an exaggeration or or an overstatement of something, but nevertheless um, is trying to emphasize a point. In other words, it's not meant to be taken literally in the sense that... that um, and you can read this, uh, uh, you know, throughout Scripture. Oftentimes, I mean, it, 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 when the children of Israel uh, came into the land of, of Canaan, you know, there's references that they destroyed all of the inhabitants. Well, we know that that was not literally true because the some of the inhabitants did survive and actually became a thorn in their flesh. But it, it made the point that yes. Um, there was an emphasis and, and much was done. And, and I think this is true here, many places in Scripture, but here as well. That we obviously, when it says here that we pray always, it doesn't mean that you um, uh, are praying um, every minute of the day. Or when the Bible says that you should pray without ceasing, it doesn't mean that you should Pray nonstop and not do anything else. We, we obviously understand that. But what it does mean is that it is putting an emphasis on something that is important. And so when you, whenever you read the Bible and it uses words like that, try to understand the emphasis that the scripture and that the Lord is trying to put on that. And so when we look at just this one particular verse, and, and it speaks about praying always, and it uh, talks about all prayer and all perseverance and for all saints. Keep that in mind that while it may not be everyone all the time and in every way, but that there is a tremendous emphasis on that in our lives. And even as we move to the next uh, book of the Bible here, Philippians, in the fourth verse, Paul makes a similar statement, as he does in very a number of different ways, and he says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making request with joy. And so the emphasis here, not only in this 18th verse, but in a number of others that the Apostle Paul is referring to is this emphasis of praying for others. Using prayer as a weapon and engaging in spiritual warfare by praying for them and fighting for them in prayer. In Philippians chapter 4, uh, we, we read these words. Verse 6, be careful for nothing. Another way of saying that would be, don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Again, somewhat of a hyperbole, but emphasizing that in in many things in our lives, and especially when it comes to spiritual warfare, engage in prayer and supplication for others, making prayer a priority in fighting against the enemy of our soul. 
there's a scripture that I love um, to, to read in, in Colossians chapter 4. It names a particular individual that we don't know a lot about, but actually we do know a lot about because of what it says here about him. Um, verse 12 of chapter 4, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. And here, I think we, we see a tremendous example of one, a follower of Christ, a, a fellow laborer with the Apostle Paul, but one of whom he calls out as being someone who labored in prayer. And we could, could translate that into saying who, who, who fought for his brethren in prayer before the Lord. He labored um, in that. And, and, and I just have that picture of one who was diligent in fighting for his brothers and sisters in Christ and doing that with that weapon of prayer against the enemy. And doing it, as it says there, always, frequently, that we would recognize that we need to stand up for one another in prayer and do that often for each other. There's also a reference here of, of um, in verse 18, with all prayer. And we recognize that, that prayer uh, manifests itself in many different ways. There's obviously prayers that, that bring honor and glory to God. There are prayers that, um, that involve petitions or supplications, uh, asking God for, for different things. And then there's that important aspect of, of intercessory prayer. And when we speak about prayer as a weapon in fighting for others, we're really talking about prayers that are interceding for others. And so, brothers and sisters, especially when you see your, your fellow believers going through difficulties and hardships, may we be encouraged to lift them up in prayer. We often refer to lifting them up in the arms of prayer, but that on our knees before the Lord that we would do that and intercede for them. Praying for protection, much like that father was praying for the protection of his child over his bed. Praying when, when we know that, that someone is, is going out into battle. It may be our children that are going to school and or or others in the church that are going to school where we know that they will be faced with with the world's philosophies and the world's teaching and, and influences that could easily um, pull them away from God. Praying for protection over them, interceding for them and praying that God would protect them, protect their hearts, protect their minds interceding that that they would be safe interceding for for each other when we go into the workplace um, and are facing temptations interceding for one another when we know that some will be traveling and perhaps traveling to places where there would be danger where there would be um, things that could could harm that we would be interceding for them in those situations but that we would do that also, as it says here, with all perseverance. Um, 
It's so easy sometimes to say a short prayer and leave it at that. But if we, if we look to James, very familiar scripture in the fifth chapter here, it says, confess your faults one to another, and then it goes on to say, and pray one for another that ye might be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And this really brings us back to this idea of praying always or praying without ceasing. Not that it's continuous and nonstop and nothing in between, but this idea that it does need to be with perseverance, that it does need to be one of being fervent in prayer and, and being, um, and making it effective. And what makes it effective is that if it, if it is something that we pray often and pray with fervor and bringing and making our petitions known to God repeatedly, not because God needs to hear it more than once, but rather because we need to take it seriously. We could have the idea, well, I prayed it once, God heard it, and why pray it again? But no, God is looking for fervent prayer that will also make it effective, effectual. And doing that, because that will avail much. And it is a way in which we fulfill this command, because it is a command to pray always, or to pray without ceasing, or to, to, to make all of these things a priority and important in our lives. But then also that it says for all saints. And naturally we, we pray for, um, for those that are nearest to us. And, and to, to literally pray by name for all saints is not possible. But it is important that we personalize the prayers that we have. We can become very general in this spiritual warfare and using prayer as a weapon against the enemy as we intercede for others. For example, we know that in today's world, there, that Christians are being persecuted more than they ever have in the past. In the last century, in the, in the, um, the 20th century, the 1900s, more Christians were persecuted and killed for their faith, statistics show, than in all the centuries preceding it since the time of Christ. And that persecution continues. We can pray for the spiritual warfare that they are engaged in, in very general terms, but we can also pray specifically for them as we perhaps learn of the persecution that is happening in very specific places or places where we know it is and that we would pray for them, if not by name because we don't know their names, but for the places that they are in and the very specific persecution that they are in, are battling and fighting for. And I think of... The Apostle Paul here, in the 19th verse, as he says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication, and for all saints, then he says, and for me. In other words, he asked, he was asking them to very specifically pray for him. 
And in this particular instance, he says, that utterance may be given unto me, that I might know how to preach the mystery of the gospel. And if I'm not more mistaken, this was the text that I used for the very first sermon that I've preached in becoming a trial minister. And and the importance of, of being able to to have that personal prayer that Paul was asking for. So we ask that of you as well, that you would pray for us that preach here from the pulpit. And when it is an encouragement for me personally, when someone says to me that they are praying for me specifically. And I, I, I believe with all of my heart that for all of us, especially as believers, when we are going through especially difficult times, to know that someone is praying for us by name, specifically, that that can make a tremendous difference. May we be encouraged to to go to battle for one another and, and pray for one another by name. When someone comes to your mind, and, and I've been trying to do this more in my own life, because many times we even say to each other, I'll pray for you. But I have made that experience that time goes by and we all of a sudden realize that we didn't. Not only didn't we pray for them by name, but we didn't pray for them at all. But to get in a habit of perhaps if someone's need comes to your mind, or a request is made that you would make it a point to pray for them right away. That would be a, a way of practically fulfilling what the Bible says, praying always or praying without ceasing. Sometimes that may not be practically possible to, to literally stop what we are doing, but we can pray in our minds. We can pray while we're driving a car or even while we're doing something else, just whisper a prayer for that individual. At the very least, write it down so that you will remember to do it later. But but have that sense that if the Lord has brought a particular situation or a particular person to your mind, that he may be doing it for the particular purpose of having you pray for them in that instant. In all of the relationships that we have, both within our families, for sure, but also within the church, but then outside of that as well. That we would do that, as it says here in this 18th verse, in the Spirit. Trusting that the Spirit may be pricking our, our minds, our thoughts, and bringing someone to our attention specifically for that purpose that we would intercede for them, for their protection, for their help, for, for whatever the enemy might be trying to do in their lives. It's a beautiful scripture in Romans chapter 8 where it talks about the Spirit himself interceding for believers. At times when, when we can't pray or perhaps don't pray or the most that we can pray is just... Uh, uh, Groaning, as the Bible says, or, or just a heaviness that comes over us, and we can't even bring out the words to offer that prayer that, that the Spirit then will intercede for us. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
And he that searcheth the hearts and knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So we see in the scripture here how that the Spirit of God is interceding for his children, for believers, even for us. But he is also speaking to our hearts many times, I believe, and bringing to our minds and our thoughts the needs of others that are engaged in spiritual battle that we should pray for. Jesus said that he, the Spirit, the Comforter, when he comes, will teach you all things. And one of the things he teaches us is how to pray and when to pray and in what situations Prayer is needed, and he does that by speaking into our hearts and minds. Last Sunday, as I shared with you the, about the sword of the Spirit and, and the idea that the Word, um, all of it, all of Scripture, is the Logos. It is the Word, the written, inspired Word of God. But that in many cases, there is that word of God that is the rhema, which is a personal word, though yet written in Scripture becomes personal for us because it speaks to a need that we have, perhaps a looking for direction and, and, and guidance. And, and we read a Scripture that, that provides comfort, and it's personal for us. We, re- we read a scripture that, that becomes an answer to prayer for a need or direction that we have, and it becomes very personal, and we feel that God has spoken to us through his word, through this rhema. But there is also the Lord speaking to us through his spirit. And while we would not go to the extent and say that, that that which the Lord has spoken to us in a personal way, to our minds and our hearts, uh, even to our ears, because at times we feel like God has literally spoken audibly to us. While we would not go to the extent to say that that, that is the inspired word of God equivalent to the Bible, it nevertheless becomes a very personal message from the Lord. And if that, if the Lord lays that burden or gives you that word or, or, or shows you a need that someone has, accept that as the Lord speaking to you and asking you to be in prayer for that person. And do it. Intercede for them and be the one that brings that person before the Lord in prayer, because we need it. As much as others need your prayers, you also need theirs, because we are engaged in a spiritual battle. I'd like to conclude with the words of a hymn that we sing or have heard from time to time. I need the prayers of those I love while traveling o'er life's rugged way that I may true and faithful be and live for Jesus every day. I need the prayers of those I love to help me in each crying hour, to bear my tempted soul to him, that he may keep me by his power. I want my friends to pray for me, to bear my tempted soul above and intercede with God for me, I need the prayers of those I love.
Amen.